Welcome to the Mentium Matters podcast, where we talk about leadership, life, and the transformative power of mentoring. This is Solveig Brown, and now that 2022 is here, I know that many of us are setting personal and professional goals. So I am super excited to have Deb Herrera as my guest today. Deb is going to walk us through her power questions for goal setting. Deb told me about these goal clarification questions during our pre-podcast meeting in December, and I can tell you all firsthand that they are a game changer for goal setting. Before we begin our conversation, here is some background information on Deb. Deb Herrera is an ICF certified executive coach and former CFO with more than 25 years of leadership experience. Deb is passionate about helping others realize their fullest potential at the organization, team, and individual level. She has coached a wide range of leaders in a variety of industries and roles. She has extensive financial and business experience and is known as a fearless leader and communicator. She has led teams to achieve stellar results at General Mills, Best Buy, Honeywell, Thomson Reuters, and the Schwann's Food Company. She attributes her success to her ability to inspire and motivate leaders and teams to think differently, stretch beyond their comfort zones, and believe that they can succeed. Deb was recently featured as the voice of experience on Mentium's business education webinar, Thriving Through Change. Deb is a former mentee and has been a mentor for Mentium since 2014. Welcome, Deb. Thank you. Good morning. It's good to be with you. It is so great to have you here. Deb, as an executive coach and former CFO, you know a thing or two about goal setting. So I'm just so excited to have you here today to walk us through these fantastic questions that you have developed. The questions you're going to share with us are really powerful at getting clarity for one's goals. Can you give me some background information on why you came up with these series of questions? Absolutely. As you mentioned, I am an executive coach and I work with leaders and the foundation of our work usually starts with, oh, what do you, what do you want to accomplish through our engagement? And what I realized when you think about coaching goals, it's different than business goals in that a lot of business goals, you can look at a report and you can tell if you've been successful, there's metrics. If you're a salesperson, you've achieved certain milestones that are pretty measurable with coaching goals. It's often, I want to be a better leader. I want to be more influential. I want to have better executive presence, et cetera. And those goals are a little squishier. It's harder to figure out what success looks like, or you may have in your mind's eye what success looks like, but, but it may not match what other people think. And so in order to be the most effective as a coach as I could be, I thought we need, these, we need to get clear on what we're actually going after. And that's kind of the genesis of those questions. Oh, that is great. Because when I use them myself, I noticed that. I thought my goal, I love that word squishy. I thought my goals are kind of squishy. And so they're really helpful. So we are about to dig into the questions. And to everyone who is listening, I invite you to take a moment to think of a goal that you have recently set for yourself, or perhaps a goal you are thinking about setting. And as Deb walks us through these goal setting power questions, you can think about how you would answer them for your own goal. Okay, Deb, so let's say a client comes to you for help with setting their goals. What are the goal clarity questions that you ask them? Yeah, so I start off with big picture and say, okay, big picture, what what are you trying to achieve? You know, just think big picture. What are you trying to achieve? Maybe you have a word in mind 
of what you want to achieve over a period of time. Maybe you have a vision of what you want your life or your work to look like. So take it to the big picture first. Then as you think about individual goals, I start with, okay, let's say you're a leader and you want to be more influential or you want to have better executive presence. So let's take that one because that's a typical one. I want to be, I want to have better executive presence. So the first question is, imagine it's six months from now, or you can pick the time frame that's relevant, but six months is a good amount of time. So imagine it's six months from now and you have been successful in achieving this goal of better executive presence. What's different? How will you know you achieved the goal? Some people don't know, and most people don't, or they're like, oh, I never thought of it that way. It's just an opportunity to visualize what success looks like. Think about what's different from today versus six months from now. So that's the first question. What will be different? And then the second question is, okay, imagine again it's six months from now and you're successful in this goal of executive presence. What will others notice? And others could be your boss, they could be colleagues, they could be direct reports, they could be family members. You know, think about the people who are around you. And when you've achieved this goal, what are they going to notice? What are they going to call out? What feedback might you get? What are the things they're going to say? Like, well, Solve, I really noticed that when you walk in a room, you're smiling and you're standing up straight, you know? And then the third one is, well, when you're successful in this goal, what's it going to feel like for you? What's that going to be? And it's an opportunity to kind of step into that situation, that, that successful situation and try it on. You know, what's that going to be like? And then the fourth one is when you're successful in this goal of executive presence in this example, what will be available to you that's not available to you now? So maybe that's a promotion. Maybe that's increased confidence. Maybe it is being noticed by different leaders. Maybe it's additional opportunities, but think about like, why do you care about this goal? What are you shooting for? You know, what will be available to you that's not available to you now? And then the fifth question really gets to motivation because sometimes we set goals and then we realize these goals really aren't that, we don't really, it's not doing it for me. So the next question is, why bother with this goal now? Like you're obviously successful. Your life is what it is. Why bother? Why spend the time? And just settling into that and asking yourself, like I've had a couple clients who have asked themselves this question and then they're like, eh, actually, this isn't, this isn't where I want to spend my time. Others have had the opposite experience where they said, oh my gosh, this is so key to not only my work, but my life. This, this reinforces that this is the goal for me right now. And then the next question is, what if you do nothing related to this goal? This gets to the stakes that are involved. So what if I do nothing related to executive presence? Well, the answer might be, hmm, my life will be fine. That's okay. It might be, oh my gosh, it'll change everything, you know, okay. And sometimes it's, eh. and then you realize it's not the right goal at the right time for you. Like it doesn't matter. It might matter to my boss, but it doesn't matter to me at all. And just getting present to that, you can be honest about how much time and energy you're really going to put into it and what your expectations are. So why, what if I do nothing? And I have had, I had a client say, Deb, I can't even imagine not working on this goal. I just can't even imagine it. 
it's not even a possibility. Well, he was very committed to it. And I had another, a couple clients, the opposite, like, you know what? It's good enough. I don't care. That's not, it's not enough for me to worry about. I'm not, this isn't the one. And then once you've kind of gotten, you know, present to what you're trying to accomplish, what it looks like, what are you going after? Then a nice question to ask yourself is, what's in the way of me achieving this goal right now? Like I'm a smart, successful person. Like what's in the way? You know, sometimes it might be, I don't know where to start, or it could be, I, I'm missing some key knowledge. But as, if you get present to what's in the way of your success, then that might help tailor the actions you want to take or the prioritization of those actions. And then I added an eighth question recently, and I have to decide, you know, and decide for yourself when's the right time to ask it, because sometimes you can ask it too soon. And that is, okay, you've got this goal, you've, you're pretty clear now what success looks like, and you know what's in your way. So what's one small thing that you could do? One small achievable step that you could take that if you were to do so would make a difference in this goal. And so it's not this overwhelming eat the elephant at one sitting. It's like, I'm going to go for one small thing. You know, for example, a, a, an easy example is I want to get fit or lose weight in the new year. We all usually have that. <laughs> Many of us do anyway. And so if you set a goal for losing 50 pounds, that can feel overwhelming. But if, you're, if your small step is I'm going to put on my running shoes today, tie them up and see how it goes, that I can do. Right. Yeah. So it's about figuring that out. Yeah. I love these questions because, you know, like you just said, it really helped give me clarity on some of the goals I was setting. Like, you know, what does it look like? What will other note, what will others notice about me? You know, one of the things we talked about in the pre-meeting that people often have fear and time as obstacles to achieving the goals because it's like, why don't you already have it? Can you talk about some ways, like if you're, if you have that underlying fear or if you just feel like, oh, I don't even have enough time to do that. Can you talk about some of the strategies you've helped your clients use when those two issues come up? Yeah. I think sometimes just saying this fear out loud is extremely powerful because I think sometimes we're not even present to the fear. And that might be one of the things, like you said, that's in the way of you moving forward. And you don't have to declare it to people if you don't want to, but you could. You could tell somebody, hey, I really want to do this, but I'm just really, I'm afraid or I'm worried. You could write it down. Just capture it in a way that you can say, okay, this is the fear. Then the next step could be, all right, let's say, and I think someone on a previous podcast actually talked about this. But you talk, so you, you get present to the fear and then, okay, let's follow that string. What's the worst thing that could happen? Mm-hmm. And then the second question is, well, what's the probability that that would happen? So I'm afraid if I do this, I'm going to get fired. Okay. What's the likelihood that's going to happen? Hmm. It's actually pretty low when I come to think about it, or it's, it's actually really high. Okay, good. So then what are the steps we should take to mitigate that real risk? Another thing you could do is, okay, my fear, here's my fear. What's the worst thing that could happen? Okay, the worst thing that could happen if I could get fired. Okay, so you get fired, then what? Keep following the string. Well, then, you know, maybe it's catastrophic. 
or maybe it's not so bad. But if you start to kind of follow that string of the fear and ask yourself, okay, then what? And then what? And then what? What I've found is many people, once they get past that second, then what? They haven't thought about it. And then when they do think about it, it's often much less of an issue than they thought. And sometimes the fear dissipates or it gets much smaller because it's an old fear or somebody else's fear that I've taken on. And now as I really examine it, I realize hmm, it doesn't require the same level of attention that I thought it did. Or if it does, then I can look at it more logically. And it's not this big looming thing that has taken over. Right. That is such a great strategy because I think that when you, like exactly what you said, that big looming thing, what you, if you haven't really looked at it, it just seems overwhelming and daunting. And so I love that idea of just taking it apart and being like, well, then what, well, well, what happened? What if that happens? You're like, oh, well, you know, and you kind of get to that point where you've embraced like, oh, I can do this. Yeah. Wow. And then what about time? Time is another issue. People are so busy now and they think, oh, how do I carve out time? And, and I liked how you talked about thinking about small steps. So how does that work in terms of prioritizing time for a goal? Yeah, I think that that statement, I don't have time is such a blanket statement and it's such a go-to for so many of us. And it's, and it's an, and it, I don't mean to say excuse in a bad way, but it's a rationale that most of us find reasonable and we can give a pass. And so I think just examining that statement, do I not have time? Do I have time? Really? And sometimes what we're trying to fit in isn't important enough and it doesn't, it doesn't garner the time that we want to give it. But if it's something that's really important to you, maybe instead of the statement, I don't have time, it becomes what would have to be true for me to be able to fit this in? Or what would have to be true for me to be able to make time for this? It's a different kind of question. It just, instead of the statement of fact, I don't have time, which kind of shuts it down. The the other question, well, the question, the other was a statement, the question of what would have to be true kind of opens up our mind and, and makes us stop and think about possibilities. So it's kind of a mind trick. Yeah, definitely. And you, then there's a solution for it. Like, oh, what would have to be true? And then you can figure that out or brainstorm some ideas or experiment with that. I think it invites choice, Mm -hmm. you know, where the other one just kind of, I don't have time. Right, Right. exactly. And you can figure out what your priorities are. Or like you said, it also helps clarify, maybe it's not important for you. Maybe you don't want to take the time, but if it is, then you will figure out what needs to be true for you to make the time for that. And that other question of like, what's in the way of me having time? You know, that's another question you could ask yourself, what's in the way? Well, Mm -hmm. man, my emails, I'm always on email. Well, that might take you to a different solution. Or, you know, I feel like I have to carry the 100% load at, at home. So after I get done with work, there's no time. Well, there might be a place to invite someone else in to contribute. So right. it helps you peel back, like what's really underneath the time issue. Yeah. And I love the creativity it involves mm-hmm. in thinking about those things and figuring out different solutions or just doing something a little bit differently. 
Um, and then one other thing you talked about that I just would like you to expand more on is the idea of starting really small. So you said, if you are, have a big fitness goal and you think, well, what's the first thing I can do? Maybe it's just put on your running shoes. Can you talk more about those really small steps to achieving a goal and how that works and how that looks in achieving a goal? Yeah, I think my experience has been if I have a very large goal that either just feels really insurmountable or I'm not excited about, I've got a lot of fear. If, if I don't chunk it out into manageable pieces, I shut down and the likelihood of me moving forward is smaller. Um, and so with my work, you know, I'm, and many of us, we're in front of a screen all day and we have very few breaks in between and it's hard to, you know, imagine a regular exercise routine or a regular self-care routine or whatever. And again, going back to that, like, let's say you want to lose a large amount of weight or you want to get extremely fit. You know, you can, you can achieve, you can think about the smart goal concept, you know, specific, measurable, you know, et cetera. And then what are the, what are the little steps that I could take every day? So to follow that string, you know, I would normally say, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to start, I'm going to run three miles today. Well, if I'm starting from nothing and I haven't worked out in six months, the, the likelihood of me achieving three mile run my first day and wanting to get up the second day to do something is pretty small. So maybe I don't, I'm not being very articulate right now, but just laying out some small things that you could do. And I'm trying to think of another work-related example all right, so I want to build a better relationship with a senior leader, and I don't have a very good one with them right now. So that could be insurmountable because high risk, maybe high risk, maybe a lot of fear, and maybe vulnerable, I have to be vulnerable. So maybe marching into their office and sitting down and having a nice chat isn't the first place to start. Maybe a place to start would be getting in contact with someone who knows that person well and has a good relationship. Maybe another small step would be to look for small opportunities to engage that are low risk. You know, speaking up on a Zoom call when a question's asked. Just things that start you on the path that they do a couple of things. One, it doesn't shut you down. Two, it starts to build confidence because they're more achievable and it creates momentum because in my running example, if I've run three miles and I haven't done any exercise in six months, I'm going to be so sore the next day. I'm not going to run. So I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, that totally did of just figuring out what are small things that are achievable and they may seem so easy, you know, compared to yeah. your big goal, you know, they may um, like, again, it's like, kind of not tricking your mind, but all of a sudden being like, okay, you can do that. Like, oh, I can put my running shoes on or, yeah. you know, I can walk to the end of the block or I can, you know, ask someone if who has a good relationship with this manager um, a question or something like that. And I also um, think right now when we're all, well, many are feeling extremely depleted and many are feeling burned out. Mm -hmm. There's it's hard to imagine doing some of the really big things because your bucket is so empty. Yeah. And it's just a, and I think the second thing I would say is I think it's harder, especially for high achievers to think about, okay, my goal is going to be to put on my running shoes. Are you kidding me? That is stupid. Uh -huh. So I'm just having a little self-compassion. Like this is where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. Right now I have this terrible relationship with the CEO. Okay. Right. This is my reality. 
So I have to have a little self-compassion and I got to start here because it can feel like you're letting yourself off the hook or you're, yeah. you're lowering your standards. And that's not the point. Right. It's kind of meeting yourself where you're at and starting there and setting yourself up for success for, especially at the beginning of working on a goal, if it's a little daunting or if there's some fear involved or it's hard to make time for something, then you are figuring out how do I redo my choices around this or or what is success? So I love that. Just the small steps, um, for achieving that and the big results that can happen. And I'm sure you've seen it over and over with your clients, the amazing things that they can do that they may have set off not believing that they could really do. And then it it happens in six months. You're like, wow, I'm here. I started off just putting my running shoes on and now I am signed up for a 5K or something. Yeah. And there's a great resource. It's a TED Talk. Mm -hmm. You may have heard it by BJ Fogg, F-O-G-G. And he talks about tiny habits. So that's a good, you know, 18 minute talk to listen to that kind of reinforces the whole concept of tiny habits. Oh, great. Well, thank you for that. Deb, thank you so much for going through these goal clarity power questions. Um, As I said, I've used these to think about my goals for this year. And when I ask myself these questions, they really help me switch from having really general kind of squishy goals, as you said, to being more specific of what does it look like? What does it feel like? And what is one small thing I can do? and, And what's a marker of what that goal is? So thank you so much. It helps get, you know, the why behind the goals it helps figure out what your motivation is. Everyone listening, I am going to continue my conversation with Deb in part two of this podcast. Next time, Deb will share with us two of the biggest challenges her clients have been dealing with in the past six months and her tips for addressing these issues. She will also reveal her strategies for influencing, delegation, and giving feedback. So you will not want to miss this episode. Thank you all for listening to this Mentium Matters podcast. Please join us next time for part two.